Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Do you want to give us just a rundown on what it is? You could probably summarize it much better than me. <laughs> no, because we skipped right over our beers. Wow. Come on. Are you already going to have to take over? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, welcome to the Brews and Bruins podcast, um, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and uh, Bruins diehards and Pride diehards and, and DraftKings too. Um, it is just me um, as a host, and we were going to have a Drews and Druids episode, but uh, reached out to Sir Patrick Laverty, and he has graced us with his presence. Pat, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me here. And uh, big shout outs to Peach Yogurt and Izzy. <laughs> I haven't even listened to that episode yet. So I have no clue <laughs> you don't listen to your own episodes. That's awesome. No, I, w- I mean, I will tune into like uh, sometimes when it's just Cam and Chris or, you know, when I'm not on it just to see what was talked about. But I have not gotten around to that yet. So, um, but yeah, we, the- yeah we, we, we got a little bit of a review about peach yogurt. So that, that was all good. Yeah, awesome. I will have to tune in for that at least. Uh, I don't really care what Cam and Chris have to say. No. Just dizzy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're uh, here to talk about uh, the project that Patrick has going on with some. It's called draft-analysis.com. Uh, just some, if you haven't seen it yet, it's been getting some buzz on Twitter. And that's what sparked today for me to really go back in depth. Um, and look at what everything you've written here. Um, do you want to give us just a rundown on what it is? You could probably summarize it much better than me. <laughs> no, because we skipped right over our beers. Wow. Come on. Are you already going to have to take over? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beforehand, you told me like, oh, I'm going to be into a 9% IPA. You're going to be taking over. Like, I haven't even cracked the can yet. <laughs> all right, good. Then, uh, then, then I'll go first. So. 
I have a special one today that I like to break out just for the show. I have a Black Hog Brewing Company Irish Cream Coffee Milk Stout. So I always love these kinds of cans that are just like the generic silver can with a label on them. So that's mm -hmm. all good. It's a super dark one, super heavy, which is uh, really good. So for the, it, it has a really good taste. It's got the high taste ability. I don't mm. quite think I'm going to give it the, the full 37, but we might go as far as like a 30. And <laughs> it's pretty heavy, so you can't really pound these things all day. You're just going to be having a few of them. Uh, let's go with a Craig Smith. We'll say 12. Smith grabs the puck and scores! Washington took a nap! And Craig Smith answers the wake-up call! I can't believe you <laughs> had that ready. <laughs> I have I have three ready right now, and I want to really add everybody through 37, but I have Craig Smith, Patrice Bergeron, and Zdeno Chara. So I got... That was yeah, awesome. That was <laughs> Completely unplanned, but I was like, "What is he doing?" <laughs> um. So yeah, as as alluded to earlier, I got myself a little nine percent double IPA here. Uh, I actually featured it on a past episode, but for those who are just here for Patrick, um, it's a Clown Shoes is the brewing company, a Space Cake double IPA. Um, they have. I know the listeners can't see this but google it what later when you're not driving if that's what you do while you listen to this uh but some amazing artwork on this like very detailed and in the can the can really gets you so con shoes always has some really good stuff some great labels and even better beer absolutely um including this one uh drinkability here uh i mean it's a double ipa it's not going to be that high uh, so I'm going to go with an eight there. Honestly, it's pretty damn heavy, but tasteability, I'm going to go with a 28 and it's a good, it's a good taste. So, um, yeah, I yeah. think you previously mentioned they're a Boston brewing company as well, aren't they? Um, are they? Oh yeah. So they're out of Boston, Mass and Windsor, Vermont. So they got so they that would be a great company to sponsor the Brews and Bruins podcast. We got to find them on social media. We got to actually, I want to send letters to their offices. I feel like that's like the, you got to go with the old school way of yeah. doing business. Um, anyway, right, speaking of old, old school, <laughs> <laughs> tell us, tell us what the, you know, the website's all about and what you're doing. Draft analysis is all about. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it all started out basically because of Twitter and the usual stuff of everybody talking about how Sweeney sucks. Sweeney's terrible at drafting. 2015 was terrible, which, yeah, sure it was. And Sweeney's the worst. He should be fired because he can't draft. The Bruins are the worst at drafting. So I started wondering, like, is that really true? And I, I really wanted to put some numbers behind it because to me when you start saying that somebody sucks somebody's terrible those are just subjective terms you know those don't really right. necessarily mean anything you have to compare them or for example like drew if one day after a bruins game you say to me hey how'd the bruins do last night and i say like well they scored three goals i'm guessing your next question is well how did the other team do 
Yeah. How many goals did they score? Because it's relative on how mm-hmm. well you did. It's the same thing with the draft. If the Bruins score three goals and the other team scores one, great. They did a great job. They score three mm-hmm. and the other team scores eight, not so good. Right. So it kind of really depends. So that's why when I've actually encountered people that I try to discuss this with, and I'm like, have you looked at how other teams draft? Have you looked at other GMs? They're like, no, I don't care about that. I just know Sweeney sucks. It's like, well, mm-hmm. how can you possibly say Sweeney sucks without having any idea how all the other teams have done historically? So I was like, well, let's take a little look at that. So one of the things that I wanted to do was to download all the data from all the drafts. And I didn't know how far back to go. I've gone as far back as 2000. I was recently thinking that it probably makes sense to really put the focus on 2000. Was it uh, 2005 going forward when the salary cap era kind of started? Mm, Post lockout. Yeah. Because things kind of changed at that point and really focus on that era uh, for the, the data. And when I first started doing it, I was like, okay, well, I need a way to compare all the different players and and all the the picks. So the first thing I figured, well, I can't just do points. I can't do goals because that's, you know, goalies get kind of screwed in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Games played, can't really do that because that's, you know, you could get some little journeyman who plays a thousand games and he's just like, okay, versus like a standout all-star for 500 games. You know, those are different things. Right. So uh, the the guys at Evolving Hockey kind of called me out with that metric and they were like, that's dumb to use games played. You should use something that's a, a little bit different because what they pointed out is really the point of the draft is to get the best player available at your draft pick. It's mm-hmm. not to get guys to play games. It's to get whoever is the best available. So I was like, okay, I need to find a, one statistic hopefully that can rate all the players. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I found the best one, but at least I found one that I think is consistent across all the players is I use uh, from hockey reference. They have this thing called uh, point shares or their PS. And it's a system that they use for, it's a big, huge calculation that they give point share values to players. And of course the great players accumulate more point shares over the course of their career. And, lesser players don't get so many. So I've actually been able to uh, compare how players have done throughout their career using those and then really take a look at how certain teams do with the draft based on those point shares as well to get an idea on how all teams have done draft-wise using that since, like I said, the goal is to find the best player available at your spot. So I guess there's just one last one last part with this is it's not really to get the best player in the draft because they're not always available to you. You know, not every draft Connor McDavid, you know, once Mm -hmm. he's gone, gone. So once he's gone at number one, you drafting at number two, you want to take the second best player available. Now taking the best player available at any position is nearly impossible. It almost never happens. So, Mm -hmm. What my system does is it figures out how much did you miss by? If you don't take the next best, if you don't take the best player available, did you take the next one? And if you didn't take him, did you take the one after that? And it starts to see just how much you missed by using those Mm -hmm. point shares. So what I've done is for every draft, I figured out who is the best player available at each pick and then compare it to the player that the teams did pick and then subtract the, the point shares to see how much that they actually missed by. So I guess in a span of a few minutes, that's 
generally how it works. Yeah. And if, if that's hard to follow along, I mean, please check out the website. I, it, something I have to say is someone who's been writing their whole life, whether it was about hockey or, I mean, now I'm a local journal, uh, local newspaper reporter here in Maine and it, it's very well written. And I'm usually a guy who like the statistics and especially the fancy stats, if the listeners know when Chris brings the, uh, the fancy stats in, I, I, I go <laughs> blank for a little bit. Uh, I'm an eye test guy, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's beautifully wit written for someone who doesn't understand like the, the, the statistics at all. And it, it's easy to digest. It's not anything like a textbook or anything. So please go read. Um, and, and one of you, you have a series of posts there. Uh, and one really that stuck out to me, did I X out of the tab? No, I did not. It's the, uh, the Bruins are ruined one. Um, and it talks a lot about kind of how what you said it, it, that sparked it, which was, you know, kind of Sweeney and um, those takes. So, I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast. I believe we've even talked about this with you that that, uh, you know, memorable draft, I'll say, uh, missing on Barzell and everyone getting on top of that. Um, right. But we haven't dived into your system and and all that and really taking a close look at it. So, it, and in reading that post, I was seeing like, huh, did Sweeney do so bad? You have to take everybody into consideration, which like you said, not a lot of people want to do or have the time for me included. So it, it's really eye-opening. Do you want to kind of just walk us through what you found with, with Sweeney in that draft? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so 2015 is still, you know, I always admit that the the Bruins missed. Now, why they missed, I don't know specifically. Like, you know, Shirelli, the, the, the draft happens, what, in, in the beginning of June. And Shirelli was fired in mid-April and Sweeney was brought in to be the GM at that point. So mm -hmm. Sweeney had been basically the assistant GM of the Boston Bruins, which at that time was the general manager of the Providence Bruins. So Sweeney's day-to-day -day was to run the Providence Bruins. He wasn't in charge of scouting. He wasn't really all that up on the draft. So is that an excuse for him to not really be up on the draft? I, I don't know, but that's one thing to kind of take into consideration. But also the 2015 draft to me seems like it was stacked. There was mm -hmm. an incredible number of great players in there. Um, you know, uh, this was the uh, the McDavid draft, right? Is that what that was 2015, right? I, I kind of get them all mixed up as well. Um, I got my full spreadsheets and everything. Yeah, honestly, I can never remember the year that like that draft was, but uh, that was Connor McDavid year. Yeah, that was McDavid and Eichel and all yep. those kind of guys. So, uh -oh, which was an interesting one too. So according to my my stat system, the, the Bruins still finished terrible. They finished next to last with the, mm -hmm. the point system. And that's largely because of the misses. Um, and it, there, I have an article on here that's basically called the Sebastian Ajo penalty. Because mm -hmm. I consider it the penalty is the number of points that you miss by when you don't take the best player available. And... Mm -hmm. The second best player available in that draft was Sebastian Ajo, who was taken, I think, at 40. Is that where he was taken here? Um, um, oh, yeah. I'm, look, I'm looking at the list that it's uh, 
what would have been. I'm trying to find that as well. Yeah, he's he's pretty far down there. So that means that every team, every pick that uh, up until when Aho was taken gets penalized against the number of point shares that Aho has gotten in his career. So teams just get whacked. And the fact that the Bruins had three picks that all happened uh, before, or actually they might have even had five five or six picks before Ajo happened meant that they just got hammered with that penalty. Um, so that gets them knocked down quite a bit. Yeah. But it's also interesting where some of the criticisms that you hear sometimes against Sweeney, especially recently, which we can talk about, I guess, as well, is that he doesn't even draft guys that make it to the NHL. It's like, okay. If you look at the 2015 draft, that's actually something that they did extremely well mm-hmm. yep, if that yep. is the bar. If the bar is just getting guys to the NHL, in 2015, the Bruins had 10 picks, eight of which have played an NHL game. Now, some of them played very few. Like, I think Cameron Hughes was that draft, and he's played Right, right. It's an AHL kind of plug guy that, that right. gets called up during an injury or gets that beginning of the season look, and they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're going to talk about, like, you know, he doesn't draft guys that make it to the NHL, it's like, okay, well, Jake DeBrusque has made it. Brandon Carlo has made it. Uh, even Zaboral's making it. Mm-hmm. So Sension, of course, had a few games of his own. So what's also interesting is one of the things that I like to look at, and I think a lot of people don't even know about it, is the NHL has a central scouting bureau where before the draft, they put together all the rankings of players according to uh, how their central scouts think that the players rate. And mm-hmm. one of the most interesting things is you often hear about how the Bruins should have taken Thomas Shabbat instead of Zaboral. <laughs> which mm-hmm. if you look at the central scouting, Zaboro was rated more high, higher. Than <laughs> I love that. <laughs> more high. Drew's like, what? Me? Huh? <laughs> yeah. In, in these ratings, Zaboro's 12 and Shabbat 16. It's like, okay, but I, I don't see how you can really fault a team for missing when the NHL's own group of scouts kind of missed on that. And then you also hear mm-hmm. people talking about how like DeBrusque isn't even a shouldn't have been a first round pick. Well, DeBrusque was ranked 19th by these guys. So first of all, Zaboro wasn't even a reach. Zaboro was drafted at 13. He was rated at 12. So if, if anything, you want to say, well, the Bruins got some value there by getting mm-hmm. him a better pick than he was rated. DeBrusque was taken at 14, rated 19. That's not a reach. Now, if you want to bring up Sension, that I, I have no idea what was going on with that. I've heard some people say that the, the Bruins really wanted Sension. They heard that Anaheim was going to take them at mm-hmm. 32, 31, something like that. So they jumped in, which, uh, you know, I, I do remember watching the 2015 draft and mm-hmm. hearing Sension's name get called. And yeah, the, the guys working the desk were like, what the hell are they thinking? This yeah. guy, he's rated like 44th. I don't know what they're doing here. Yeah. I I mean, I remember just being like comfortable. And then, you know, when they're talking about Senishin, um, that's what, because ahead of drafts, I don't look too, too deep. I mean, I I get a general feel of, uh, of like the top 10. And then from there, it's kind of because, I mean, a lot of the time we talk about the late first round kind of being a glorified draft pick, uh, second round draft pick. 
uh, at times. And, and you even talk about how the Bruins, um, I forget what the time period was. It just Don Sweeney's tenure where they, uh, they have, what was it? The third most, or they're in the top three for points. Yeah. The Bruins have been extremely cut. successful during the Sweeney yeah. era. And if you just look at the number of points that the Bruins have gotten, you know, the, where you get, you know, the usual two points for a win and one point for the overtime loss kind of thing during the, the Sweeney era, the Bruins have the third most points of mm -hmm. all the teams in the NHL. So when you're that successful, you're not going to get very good draft picks and you are going to exactly. go to the back of the draft. And what was their average? Was it like 19th? Uh, you did. I think that was it. Was that in the 2000? One, I think you you broke down all the averages for where teams picked over that over that time period, and and the Bruins were nineteenth, which it, that second half it starts to slowly become. And there were many years where they were like it, they were thirty one one year or, or at thirty at that time it was before Seattle. Uh, I'm talking about Blues Blues era, uh, which brings us the Blues, of course, um, and and. In one of those years, though, with a, a, the 25th, you get David Pasternak. Right. Which, of course, we can't credit to, to Sweeney, exactly. but they exactly. did do it. But um, anyway, I uh, it, we do need to get to something rather important. Um, it, it, it's what pays the bills. Um, no, this podcast does not pay the bills. It pays for nothing, really. Um, I think it actually it paid like Chris's Netflix one month, which was which was nice. Um, I, I'm I'm searching for the ad here, so we may have some cuts. So you're feeling the sweat right now. I am feeling the sweat. Yeah, I'm feeling that nine percent. Um, <laughs> all right, everybody, you know what time it is. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook. It never does, ever, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat and feel the sweat of the season like never before. <laughs> um, plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000. And if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. And as tradition, please talk about an upcoming game of your choice, matchup slash pairings that interest you, who you'll be keeping an eye on, who most excites you, etc. Pat, this is where I put you on the spot. What teams or upcoming games... Are you interested? <laughs> Opening night Bruins, of course. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's coming to you soon. That's soon enough. Uh, best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. That's B is in basketball. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet. Up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, Drew, let me ask you this. I, I love to ask people this question as well when they, they think that uh, drafting players, 
various spots is relatively easy. You know, when you get like a McAvoy at, at 14 or something, and they're like, well, of course they took McAvoy there. That's a no-brainer. So let me ask you this question. I looked back to see from the year 2000 to the year 2017. That's 18 years. Yep. How frequently did the team with the number one overall pick take the best player available? So you have the number one pick. You can pick any player you want. Every single player is on the board available to you. Out of those 18 years, how many times did that team take the best player available? So it should be easy, right? You have all the scouting. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's never going to be 100%. Nope. And I know there's been years where it's been a flop. Um, And there's even been years where the guy becomes successful but winds up not being the best player that may be taken third, fourth, or like right. a weird steal. Right. Jack um, Michael was not a flop, but he wasn't better than McDavid. Exactly. So he also wasn't taken first. I'm going to go with somewhere to like 60 to 70% because I still feel like more times than not, like in one of your, uh, in one of your posts, you, you talk about Austin Matthews, like, you know, it's easy in that draft to take Austin Matthews and it turns out, but there are definitely plenty of times where it's off. But I think for the most part, you know, more than 50% of the time, they're going to be successful. So I'll go in the, I'll just go with a 63, the Brad Marshawn. That's my final answer. So you think it's more than 50% and you would be incorrect because it is exactly 50%. Nine oh, times wow. out of 18. So nine times, it's 50-50 whether they get the best player available. Wow. You know, and, and like you said, sometimes the player that they take isn't that bad. Like I just kind of randomly picked a year in 2010 was the Taylor Tyler year. The best oh, yep, player yep, yep, yep. available in 2010 was Tyler Sagan taking number two behind Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. Or, or let's see. But that's about to change, baby. Taylor Hall yeah. as a Boston Bruin. <laughs> 2013 was a pretty good year the top two picks were the best two players taken with uh, nathan mckinnon at one and barkov at two so that wasn't too bad right there with the the picks that they went with but uh how are you feeling if you are the florida panthers in 2014 and you take aaron ekblad not a bad player right exactly. but uh at three the edmonton oilers got leon dreisaitl mm-hmm. so now, who would you rather? Oh, I think there's no question you'd rather have dry settle. Exactly. <laughs> Which is um, interesting how, you know, so many people think even as far down as 14, it's like, oh, that's a no brainer to take McAvoy. It's like, no, no. it's always quite that easy. It's easy six years later when you see what they all become, but it's not quite so easy when it's actually happening right now. So exactly. Some of this, um, this stuff is kind of crazy. And I want to look back at a specific era that you have a series of posts. Just take the best player. Uh, if it were me, I'd say just take the fucking best player for <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, no, uh, <laughs> uh, but but 2000 to 2003, uh, there's a series of them though, and you check them out. Um, so, in, in looking at these drafts, obviously, like I I was I was born in '96. So these players became known to me, obviously, a few years after they were drafted. Um, and, and a lot of what you see is you you know the stars and also like 
you know, I started playing video games and, and while that like, it isn't a barometer of how to judge a player, it did familiarize me mm -hmm. with, with like some of the players. And, and you can tell with those games that like, there are the superstars compared to the, the fourth lighters, you know, basically. Um, but I just think it's so it wound up so interesting, even just when you browse through the just just the top five picks. Um, and do you want to walk us through a bit of this? Because, I mean, the first one with DiPietro, that's yeah, um, <laughs> that's where the Islanders got fucked. And, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> well, signing him to like an 18 year contract probably didn't help them too much. either. Mm -mm. I can't believe like because just now in this era, if you get your entry level contract at three years, max, it, it, what's well, uh, 95, 950 K. Think so. Nine hundred fifty thousand, I think, is the cap. Um, but yeah, so this is just like you know, I I mean, this is basically the reason why they imposed that. Um, but um, just walk us through even this top five because there's a wide variety of of where these players should have landed. Oh, there sure are. And what's interesting about two thousand is. A goalie was taken first overall, and it turned out that a goalie was the best player available first overall. Mm -hmm. uh, so like you mentioned, DiPietro was taken by the Islanders first, but there was another goalie that was taken at 205th. I think it was probably the, the seventh round. He where was he the went. seventh round, yeah. yeah. The notorious. It's crazy that Henrik Lundqvist was taken 205th. And in the 2000 draft, he was the best player available. So it's always interesting when people talk about how easy it is to, to pick players. And it's like, well, <laughs> Henrik was passed on 204 times. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I guess first, just going through how the draft actually did happen with DiPietro, then Danny Healy, uh, Marin Gabrick, Rostis, what is it, Rostilev, Klesla, and Rafi Torres was taken fifth. Overall. Yeah, I love I love that one. I absolutely <laughs> love the Rafi. He must have had one hell of a junior they, career. Seriously, the Islanders just got absolutely route. Yeah. It, it's also cool to like look back. Like I said, I was young, and um, just to look back by the teams that these players were drafted from, and I mean where they wound up, and I remember them usually like for the most part as as their uh, different teams. Gabrick, I think of the Rangers. Heatley, I think of uh, San Jose. Um, and it's just funny to see. I, I mean, it's reasonable that some ditched them. Others, uh, maybe not. But um, I think I think the the funny thing is that Heatley and Gabrick were just flipped. Um, which you know, it's just if you account for just margin of error and human error, that's that's fine that's almost a wash um but Rafi Torres should have been according to your algorithm and, and system 118th and DiPietro 205th <laughs> it's just um oh no 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 sorry that was the pick for Henrik Lundqvist where were those players actually projected was that how exactly it was um, that's a good question here. Let's see. DiPietro earned like 49.3 points, which um, just scrolling through and looking at everybody here, it was probably low first round, early second round is where DiPietro actually turned out. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's not so, so bad, except for when you think about Lundquist 
should have been there um right. and how that changes the franchise and also changes Lundquist's success like obviously i mean we talked about that but it, it, there's a there's definitely a list of players that should have won the cup and uh Lundquist is certainly one absolutely yeah and like you mentioned uh Gabrick, who was taken third, was the second best player. Heatley was taken second, third best player. And then taken 28th overall by the Flyers was Justin Williams. And uh, he was the, the fourth best available. I have to admit that I had to look up the guy who is the fifth best player taken uh, in this draft. Have you heard of him, Drew? This Lubomir Visnovsky from the Kings. No. <laughs> Yeah, neither had I, but I looked him up and I guess he had a decent NHL career. So was, good it, for him. was it like a short career and he did well and then just something he just went elsewhere? No, I think it was actually a better career than I had even expected. Um, let's say he played 883 NHL games. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, mostly with the the Kings and Edmonton and Anaheim, and then finished up with the Islanders. Okay, that? that that makes sense. They if it was mostly West, um, yep. just as you know, fan growing up and such, you're paying attention to the Bruins games and you're watching Bruins games and Z's. But I'm just making excuses. I, I don't know why I need to make an excuse to <laughs> not remember Lubinier of his yeah, no. <laughs> Not remembering guys from when you were four years old. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, so that wasn't a, a real great draft, but you know, 2001 was pretty similar in terms of uh, mm -hmm. how that one went as well. Where the actual drafts, yeah, with Kovalchuk going first overall, Spezza going second, Alexander Svitov going third to the Lightning. Because uh, remember, we, we always hear that the Lightning are great at drafting. Stephen Weiss to the Panthers at four, and Stanislav Chaistov to the Ducks at five. So that's how it went. But two goalies were the best two available, and it. I'm just wondering another about weird. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, that, go ahead. that almost just feels like like an older trend, um, which is interesting because like a lot of people talk about how you know goaltender is the most important position, which I mean I, I agree with, and it's, it's one guy or you know you have a nice duo, but. When it comes down to crunch time and you're going for the cup, it's one guy back there. And who do you want back there? You want the best in the league, or uh, if you're lucky, get someone from the top five. Duke Rask. Anyway, um, yeah. So I think I, I think it's just weird that you know now goalies you you rarely see that, um, and it, it's sometimes even the first round you see a goaltender going, you're like, huh, okay. Uh, a lot of teams are able to wait, and so yeah, Craig Anderson, Black. Uh, Craig Anderson with the Blackhawks and then Mike Smith with the stars. Um, it just outstanding picks. <laughs> what about, yeah, what about those uh, outstanding steals? Tom, top two available. And then Spezza Kovalchuk and Jason Pominville go into the Sabres. Pominville, the, the notorious Bruins killer. Yeah. He was actually taken 55th overall, but was the fifth best player in that draft. Um, and then you have another one of those where it were Spezza and Kovalchuk where, um, you know, they're still in the, they turned out to be uh, the top five, but um, not necessarily um, the best. Yeah. And Kovalchuk was probably harmed a little bit in his point share stat by not playing in the NHL for a few years. Yeah. Um, and then also 
you have Spezza on the Senators um, for the majority of his career, which doesn't. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I, obviously the Senators have had some decent years. Uh, don't I don't think they've ever beaten the Bruins in the playoffs, right? Never. That's never happened. <laughs> um, but then to two thousand and two, uh, Rick Nash, the Bruin, Kerry uh, Layton. Uh, went to the Thrashers. Uh, Jay Bowmeister to the Panthers. Uh, Yoni Pitkinen to the Flyers. And Ryan Whitney to the Penguins. And that's just one of those where, I, I mean, aside from, uh, from Rick Nash, I think of other teams. I can't picture a lot of those players in the jerseys they were, they were drafted in. No, absolutely not. And it, it's just interesting to see some of those names and how highly that they get drafted. And that's one of the fun things about going through this is just, seeing some of these players and like, Oh, I guess he was good back then. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and this one, I, it, it, it was fairly more accurate. Um, you know, no one was a hundred off from where they should have been. Um, what you see, you have, uh, Kyrie Layton in going number, uh, one, uh, Cam Ward, who was picked 25th going second, uh, another goalie, huh? Yeah. Uh, Duncan Keith, who was picked 54th, um, should have been third. Rick Nash wound up fourth. Um, but one of those that's top five, same with Leighton and, and Jay Bowmeister, who, uh, would have been, uh, fifth. Um, yeah. yeah. So what, what's also interesting about those three years is the best player available was not taken first overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yep. actually had to wait until 2003. For yep. that to happen, which is yep, the flower. Yes, Mark, an- another goalie, <laughs> another fucking goalie. Um, <laughs> I'm interested because, like, I this is the one that I read, and honestly, I I looked at this when it, when it first when you first like launched it. I like kind of took a look and I was like, this is, this is cool. And I, I'm interested in seeing where this goes. And it wasn't really until like now where I really got a chance to like, I'm going to look in deep, it, it, like in depth in this. And it's because you tag Bruce and Bruins in a tweet and everybody goes to it. Um, and it's just, I mean, I love it. But when you go to 2003, you got, you got the flower, I which is one of the best nicknames in hockey. Um, I, I would say, um, Eric Stahl, uh, Nathan Horton, to the Panthers, of course. Bruin, yes. Um, Nikolai Zardev, who I don't, I don't recall. And then uh, Thomas Vanek, uh, another notorious Bruins killer. Um, I mean, even more so than Pominville, I would say. But um, and who should have? gone there who should have gone fifth in 2003 listeners you have three seconds to guess pause now to think about it ding you know yeah. what i'll we're gonna just let we're gonna let the uh stream yard show you who Gotta love Jack Edwards. <laughs> Just a Jack. We gotta have him on at some point. And I think that should be one of our episodes where we just like tweet it, tweet the link into the void, and we just have like 
80 people show up to talk to <laughs> that would be interesting for you to get jack he'd never come back ever <laughs> no one from nessie he'd probably just log off and then Nesson would just like block us on Twitter. <laughs> He'd be like, oh, it's you guys. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> BS Bergey should have gone. And that's, I mean, that's one of the Bruins' best deals like ever. Is Bergeron yeah. going? What did he, what did he go here? I mean, it was second round still, right? But yeah. like, yeah, he went like, 45th overall. Mm hmm. But yeah. And, I'm surprised that he's only the fifth best. And you know, the the stat that I use that point shares is continuing to add up as he plays. Uh, because like Shea Weber's not playing anymore. So he's mm. may I, I don't know the exact numbers on the point shares between uh, Bergeron and, and Weber. Maybe he'll catch him and get even as, as high as that. I don't think he'll be able to, to catch Flurry. Uh, maybe catch Burns. I, I don't know what the, the numbers are like for that. I can, I don't know if I, I really have them handy here. Oh, yeah. So uh, at the time that I did these stats, Flurry was at 157 point shares and Bergeron was at 112. So yeah, Bergeron can definitely catch uh, some of the guys ahead of him. Suter's at 115, mm -hmm. Weber's at 118, uh, Brent Burns 123. So he can probably catch a couple guys ahead of him. He'd have to play a few years, I think, to catch Burns. Or Burns needs to have, like, a terrible couple of years and get yeah. no negatives. Yep. And shouts to Suter, who, uh, yeah. I, I remember when the Wild had that uh, free agency. I remember I, I had gotten home from school and watched it. Uh, on like NHL Network, uh, which was like the TSN feed, and I was like, "Oh my god, like that's crazy!" And everyone was like, "Holy shit, like they're gonna be cup contenders!" Oh my god, and uh, yeah, maybe we'll have to rate the Minnesota Wild. At some point. <laughs> um, gotta get Spokesy on here for that. Yes, definitely. Oh yeah, no, that's a that's a great that's a great episode right there. And we'll make we'll make Spokesy do the homework. Um, uh yeah but anyway yeah so one of the in interesting things that this data does is it's basically like redoing the draft based off of those point shares and one of the things that i, I don't know if you saw this that i i posted recently that was an interesting uh almost draft redo that the athletic did because another thing that i see people criticizing sweeney for is that some of his recent drafts like 2018, 2019, 2021, 20, he just doesn't have any players in the NHL from there, which again, right. there's a few years that there was no first round pick. And then there, there were years that they were down at the bottom. And mm -hmm. what's also interesting is the athletic did a redraft from uh, 2016 yeah. to 2019. I saw that. I don't subscribe, but I, I saw that. And it yeah, makes it me want to. <laughs> bastards but i do not have the money because the the players that they picked like which would you rather have like during those 16 to 19 years the bruins actually got mcavoy frederick urho and beecher you know mm -hmm. urho was traded for for lindholm so yep. basically back back the uh the concussions uh was right. really like i think i think that had an effect so they've, anyway, they've obviously gotten a stud in McAvoy from those years. They've gotten, you know, a 
fourth line player in Frederick and still to be seen what they get out of Beecher. And it's interesting to see this criticism because the athletic did this redraft with the benefit 100% of, of hindsight, knowing what we know now, the best that they thought the Bruins could have done in those drafts is to get Jacob Pelletier, Emil Bemstrom, Henrik Borgstrom, and Dennis Chalosky. Like there's no studs in there. There's no yeah. elite players. Mm-hmm. So in order to, to criticize the team for not having elite players from 16 to 19 is just a heaping pile of crap. Now, some mm-hmm. of those players might become elite, but then again, maybe Beecher does too. We don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and something we, we, we've talked about too is like, if you get an NHL, like a someone who can carve out a role in the NHL, like you look at Frederick, Right. Well, he's carved out a role as a fourth liner and on basically any team he can fit into that role as a fourth liner. And he will, whether he's, I, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be a career Bruin, but you know, wherever he goes, he can pretty much carve out that role. And like, sometimes that's good enough, you know, based on where a lot of first round picks have landed. Sometimes it's just like, Hey, you got an NHL starter. Good. Pat on the back. I mean, it yep. sucks if that's the first round pick, Trent, Fred, uh, Trent Frederick or Trent Fred Eric. Sorry, man, with three first names. Three first names. Uh, but yeah, so and, hey, you and I think I just think your your system does a very good job of uh, of waiting that for sure, and, and really just seeing how teams do, um, and specific GMs like like Don Sweeney. And I I think you also need to kind of be a little bit consistent in a criticism where what is going to be the strategy going into the draft? Because I I think either you need to strategize and prioritize your, you know, high ceiling and and versus the the low ceiling guys. So a a low ceiling, high floor guy is going to be like Trent Frederick. Like he's not going to be a star, but he's also not going to be a risk of being terrible. Versus right. somebody with a really high ceiling and a super low floor, that's your Sension. Sension had mm-hmm. tons of, of talent, but he just hasn't been able to put it together yet. So mm-hmm. which do you want? To me, I, I feel like you can't really criticize a strategy of going after Ascension yeah. and a Frederick. Like you, you got to pick one or the other. You can't say that both of those were dumb picks. And something you mentioned, I don't know if it was the front page or, or, or one of those other posts, but... It, it just about how players like a change of scenery, a change of system that can affect things and how that's hard to calculate, um, which happens a lot. Like in Seneshin's case, like had he been drafted by another team, where would he wind it up, uh, wound up? And so that's why like, you know, safe picks, which sometimes wind up being the first overall pick, um, it, it's really if that window is smaller from that top end potential to uh, bottom of the barrel, where like, you just where they're how wide their barometer is from potential to to failure. Um, and Seneshin was one of those, and just but it, it, it's a lot to want. Like uh, Blake Wheeler's one I mention a lot. If he didn't wind up with the Winnipeg Jets, would he have been the player? I absolutely don't think so with Boston. I think, uh, and I always say there was a game uh, that I had watched and Blake Wheeler basically intentionally brought it offside. He was looking at the ref, like putting up his arm and just like literally looking at him probably dead in the eyes, just 
cross the blue line and, and, and touch the puck and they called it to be in the Bruins own end, like an intentional icing. Um, and then shortly after they traded him and he fucking turned out to be a, a great player. Um, and I feel like with the Bruins, that almost happens more often than not. And I'm a little afraid that's going to happen with back and nine and uh, potentially like there's just so many players who like at that time, I didn't think Blake Wheeler was going to be a star. I thought he was like, cool. He's going to be an NHL. That's great. Turns out to be a nice first line winger. Well, Sagan's probably another one of those. I remember when the Sagan trade happened. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I think I even put it out there to to friends. Like it's obvious that Sagan's offensive numbers are going to skyrocket just because Dallas and Boston play very different games. Dallas plays mm-hmm. a much more wide open game where the Bruins have always been a defense first. Uh, kind of team so it wasn't really too much of a shock if you paid attention to that kind of thing to see Sagan go from 16 goals in his last year in Boston to 37 goals for a few years in Dallas because you're right there is can a difference in the environment which also leads to the the question about the the draft picks is it that the draft was bad or is it that the development was bad and it was a bad spot for that player where they just don't fit in sometimes we hear about that where the players coming up and he's like this just isn't the place for me and you know like you were talking about with wheeler maybe there's another place that's better off for players where they can develop yeah absolutely um well patrick i think that's about a wrap that's so much fun i'm trying to get on here more than court does that's that's my goal because he he beat the funny thing is i also invited court on and he said he couldn't because he's very deep in the video game world with podcasting and and exclusive access to stuff he gets like free video games which i'm entirely jealous of but um yeah i asked him and he said no and i feel like it would have he he doesn't listen to this podcast. It wouldn't have been as good as episode. <laughs> like this was great, I, I, especially for me when I host shit. It's the Drews and Druids in Cassidy, <laughs> Sweeney and Cassidy, a Shakespearean tragedy. Like that's what you get from me. Um, so I'm happy to have had Patrick here long to bring us some actual knowledge of the game <laughs> uh, in, in terms of of the raw stats and. And honestly, not just raw, just like taking them in a direction that you can really break things down. Um, Draft-analysis.com. It's at PLaverty24, as I like to call it, Plaverty24. Patrick, I basically gave you all your shout outs, but is there anything else you'd like to share? No, that's everything. So just keep listening to Bruins and Bruins. You don't want to give your like social security number or address or no, no nothing okay. like that. No, not quite yet. All no. right. Awesome. Well, thank you, Patrick. Thank you everybody for listening. Hopefully you, you learn something new and check out draft analysis.